Oh, good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Crowcast Weekend Wrap. Back after some technical glitches last week, a bit of a Windows rebuild on my behalf, and we're all up and running. So why don't we just stop talking and get right into it, shall we? Yes, PJ, I have uh, <laughs> upgraded the C64. Um, up until recently, I still have one of those. Um, welcome, everyone, to Crowcast Weekend Wrap uh, pre-season episode two. Um, of course, it's the final week of pre-season, basically, uh, before the round one kicks off next week. Um, joining me tonight is Macca, Nikki being sick. How are you, Macca? I nearly called well, you then. <laughs> I've been called many things in my life, mate. Wouldn't have offended me. Um, worse than that. Um, no, I'm good. Good, really good. Um, spent a day down the horse sales for the uh, harness racing because I do, um, underbidder on the two lots that I wanted because I had a limit that I wanted to go to, but which just meant I kept the money in my pocket, mate. So, oh, fantastic. Uh, what were they, trotters but, or? Yeah, 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 they were, and. Uh, uh, yeah, I just had a set figure I was prepared to go to, and uh, each time I had uh, some a-hole that wanted to go a little bit higher. So, so that's, uh, that's the way I work. Never mind, never mind. G'day to everyone who's joined us on chat on Discord and also on the YouTube chat. Uh, Twitch is also running tonight, if so if you're watching us on Twitch, uh, get around the chat as well. Uh, that'll be great. Um, special um, mention, though, um, having a bit of trouble with my podcast feed at the moment so the audio feed is coming through live on Spreaker um, but at the moment the podcast audio isn't feeding through to iTunes and all the other podcast platforms so I'm dealing with um, my providers at the moment to try and get that sorted and I'll tweet out uh, as soon as the episodes are up hopefully uh, in time for the start of round one. Oh Macca because we haven't been around for a couple of weeks there's a fair bit to talk about we've got um let's see we've got a couple of rounds of aflw some good some bad we've got uh the agm that was held at the club a couple of weeks ago we've got the appointment of tim silvers as the new ceo um we've got a bit of player movement with a couple couple of uh squad changes and uh of course we've got the small matter of a game coming up in a in a week's time yeah just a small matter and uh what are we, a Sunday game, are we theme? Uh, yes, we are. Sunday lunchtime, I think. Yeah, just what, just the fodder. Just fill up the space time. That's right. Yeah, yeah just... so, so be it. But, uh, yeah, as you said, there have been a lot of things happening, of course, on the player front, if we deal with that one, perhaps. Um, well, let's, we've... let's um, yeah, let's go back a little bit further. Than that. Actually, Sunday, it's at, uh, it's, we're actually Saturday at 4.05, um, Matt. Oh, another dead time, okay. Yep, no, that's, <laughs> another that's, dead time. 
Let's yep. let's go back to uh, the AGM. Um, I don't know whether you watch the feeds or people watch the feeds. Um, there was uh, most of it was put on YouTube and also on the club's website, so uh, you get to see Nixie talking and uh, John Olson and a few others. Um, so overall, I thought it was okay. Um, fair amount of tokenism that goes on in those things, obviously, and you see see the same old. Uh, uh, people attending those uh, things every year um, it was interesting to hear John Olson address the issue of um, the AFL quote unquote ownership of the Crows um, for those that aren't aware the AFL whilst they don't have any um, binding ownership of the Crows they um, basically get to ratify every board appointment so um, they're kind of like pseudo owners, if you like, um, and that expires, I think, in 2027. And uh, of course, there's a few rumblings from uh, people around the uh, around the traps about whether we should try and accelerate that a bit. And John Olson was mentioning that um, part of the reason why we wanted to remain self-funded and get ourselves back into the black was uh, to put ourselves into position to maybe look at accelerating that process. Well, can't I, I can't argue with it. I, it's, I think it's a situation that we we really do have to look around and do something. We don't you can't just sit back and wait till two thousand twenty seven when it runs out. Um, the biggest problem, of course, we've got is we've got an asset down there. In a sense, we've got an asset because it's not worth two bob unless somebody actually wants to buy it <laughs> off of us. And um, it was going to be the council we're going to buy it at one stage, and yeah. Uh, Use it as a community centre, um, but that they've backed off on that, and um, which is un- very, very unfortunate for us um, because it's not the type of building that lends itself to a lot of different circumstances. But they are saying that the I think they were talking about twenty million dollars for it, but they won't get that, and uh, it, I, it'll be a fire sale when they do sell it, and they'll they'll get something for it, but. Uh, mm. It'd have to be fire sale, I think, Fiend, and maybe it could be like uh, because because it's not just that. The problem is also that we don't own the land. That's the other. No, point. that's it's, right. That's right. So they'd have to they'd have to be able to get a, a lease from the SANFL on pretty reasonable yeah. terms as well before they want to even buy it. So, in my reckoning, I'm not even including it really because you just don't know how much you're going to get for it. Mm. Yeah, that's the problem. There's... There's a lot to play out in that space. Obviously, um, Thebiden's the uh, been named as the preferred uh, option now that uh, the aquatic centre has been ruled out, and I don't actually mind that option to be honest with you. I always thought the aquatic centre was a, a bit of a red herring, really. So there's plenty of facilities at uh, at Thebi, um, and uh, you and I have both run around that ground a few times. Uh, oh. uh, well, I love so love yeah, love the ground and played very well there. That was one of my uh, yeah. Best able to play on, and it was my yeah. home, home, home ground, of course. Um, yeah, yeah, and the the beauty of the Thebiden Oval is the fact that you can actually get two ovals if you have an aerial view of the uh, of that whole area, that whole precinct. There, the council's prepared to let them have. They, yeah. they can have a second oval built on the side, and yeah. I mean, Thebiden probably answers all the questions that they want. It's a question then in terms of football. 
But yeah. the question is, is where they just want to be in that position with the South Road going past, etc., and some some form of crowded access, accessibility because of the amount of traffic around the, uh, around yeah. there as well. Yeah. But having said that, that accessibility situation, um, there are back streets. I know, I know the area very well, of course. You can come in from, from the back way as well. You yeah. don't have to come in by South Road. I think and, well, uh, I think they're going to have to do something, Matt, about that. It may mean that there's a, there's a slight alteration in the plans of that South Road upgrade. I'm not sure whether that was the section that they... I know some of the sections along Edwardstown, they're thinking of tunnelling. Um, so um, I'm not sure uh, what the plans were um, between Anley Beach Road and... Uh, what is it? Port, uh, yeah, Grange Road. Um, well, Henley Beach, yeah, you've got Henley Beach Road and um, and uh, you've got Port Road, then you've got Grange Road, then you go down uh, across yeah. the river. And uh, so... After the river, uh, they really have to sort of start tunnelling from about there there onwards. Yeah, uh, if they want to, get, want to get past it by by a tunnel situation. So yeah, that, yeah. that that may be the solution. Look, I, I think in theory it's great. Um, Kings Reserve isn't huge. I played a ton of cricket on <laughs> Kings Reserve, and uh, it was quite easy to hit a straight six on Kings. Um, but uh, it should be big enough, um, and uh, with Thebby obviously um, there as well. Um, they may actually decide to take over a bit of the brickworks facility as well for car parking, Mac, and maybe a, a footbridge over the top. Who knows? But uh, I think overall, in terms of location, it's the preferred option. Um, the other stuff to come out of the AGM really uh, was pretty um, generic, I would have thought. But I guess for mine, the overall sense to me is that the club itself appears to be a little bit reinvigorated a new ethos um a, a lot of talk about uh you know the crows family um we've certainly noticed an increase in fan engagement there's been a huge increase in social media activity um from the adelaide uh media um or like the adelaide football club media so to me i, I just it feels like the start of a, a reinvigoration to me off the field uh, I totally agree with you because I think that the uh, communication from the media boys has been excellent in the in the preseason. Excellent. Uh, the one negative, of course, has been that, uh, and it's been thrown upon them by the COVID situation and the fact that there's uh, we, we've got fifty odd people, fifty odd thousand people who paid for a seat, uh, yeah. and they're only and only forty can get them, and of course that causes a lot of. Uh, Upset yeah, and people are being moved around, but at the same time, the, the other thing that's been negative about the club, and I don't want to be negative because I want to be very positive about the club, but the uh, getting the packs out to the members, I, I just think, and I know it's that's to do with the ticketing situations um, causing that, but yeah, it hasn't that it hasn't been a good situation, and a lot of people have been upset about that, and it is unfortunate because it's. The one negative that's, that's really popped up in recent times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a difficult situation for the club to to handle. Just to, to answer a couple of people on chat, uh, Razor, yes, uh, we do expect to get far more player interviews this year. Um, probably at least one a month. Hopefully, one every two or three weeks. So that's certainly a positive. Uh, the club have been very positive with us. Um, PJ mentions the uh, members focus group, Mac, um, which is. Uh, 
uh, an effort by the club to, I guess, get a, a cross-section of members together in a room. Look, I'm not a fan, but I think it's all part of, you know, wrapping the arms around the membership again after a couple of years of uh, pretty... Um, a vigorous uh, opposition to a lot of uh, things that the club have done by the membership. So, I mean, I'm not opposed. I don't expect much to come of it, just the same as we don't really get a lot of output from our member representatives on the board. Um, but I guess it shows at least that they're thinking about it. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm actually I'm interested in getting on that myself, actually. I wouldn't mind having a crack at it. <laughs> Yeah, do you really think they're going to like that? What what I what concerns me is that um, I don't think the average Adelaide supporter would be represented on that focus group because I think you'll get a lot of people that have um, various axes to grind um, uh, that may not be representative of the majority. Um, and I think it's a bit dangerous for the club to, to make any massive decisions based on, based on a 10 or 12-person um, group. But, you know, I, I suppose it depends on how that membership focus group uh, plays out. Personally, what I would actually like to see instead of a members focus group, I would like to see our member elected representatives actually engage with the supporter base a bit more. Uh, we've had... Um, nominees on our podcast in the past and uh, they always seem very active uh, during election time and they're active on socials and they're appearing on podcasts and all the rest of it and then uh, you know once they're on the board it's it's kind of crickets for their term and then you know if they're up for re-election then we see them again <laughs> so um, I'd like to see more direct engagement um, by the member re- elected representatives uh, towards a supporter base um, rather than just a specific focus group. Yeah, well, if, but, you know, I think it's a bit, it's better than nothing in the sense that if they're going to have 10 people, you know, you'd have five women, five men, and you'd have them all different age groups to sort of cover uh, all sections of the, of the community. So yeah. um, uh, what you're saying, I know what you're saying, it's, it's, it's not going to be... Uh, the be all and end all of anything, but it's just no. it's a little bit of tokenism, perhaps. <laughs> well, a little bit, but, maybe. A, a little but, bit, better, maybe. But, but you know, but better, better than have that than bugger all. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, uh, I, I'm just uh, I'm just a bit wary of the uh, vocal minority, um, but that's all right. Um, Tim Silvers uh, comes in to replace um, Andrew Fagan. Uh, we must, uh, d- despite you know anyone's opinion of Andrew, he was always um, you know reasonably supportive of the podcast and gave us his time on numerous occasions, and we have to thank him for that. I'm sure he won't be listening, but that's okay. Um, my personal view of Andrew's time at the club, I think commercially uh, overall, it was successful. I think no, very um, good. Very good, actually. I think uh, to be able to remain self-funded through the COVID crisis last year was a testament to how well the club has been run off the field. There's, you know, people disagree with things like esports and baseball teams, and you know all that sort of stuff, and various football department appointments. But 
I don't think many people could argue that we've been able to navigate a fairly difficult period in the AFL's history and in the club's history um, pretty successfully. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, we, we obviously did make a loss, um, uh, not as big a loss as Port Adelaide, and we paid out about 900 people extra money as well on top of the normal yeah. payments. Uh, so I think the club did uh, did did well overall. And uh, But again, now we're still paying another one that's not there. Um, once we get past paying people that aren't there, I think they'll go back to making a profit. Yeah, I think you. I look. I think you'd be surprised at how many clubs are paying people that aren't there, Mac. To be honest with you, it, it's. I think it's a commercial reality. Uh, look, uh, Tim Silvers coming in from Hawthorne. He's been the COO and held various other um, uh, positions at Hawthorne for I think seventeen years. Um, I heard him speak, and I watched his press conference. Uh, Seems a very unassuming type, and. I just get the impression that um, the dynamic of our club is changing a little bit. I, I think we're going to see more of John Olsen um, at the forefront and less of the CEO, whereas in the past I think the CEO has been, certainly with Stephen Trigg and then Andrew Fagan, the quite front and centre in the media. I don't think that's going to be the case with him. I think we're going to see more of John Olsen um, and I think Tim Silvers has probably been... Uh, assigned a couple of major KPIs. Probably the the move to Thebe would be a major one and also just steering us through the next 12 to 18 months with regards to recovering from uh, from COVID. Well, I think, you know, the appointment of John Olsen to me has uh, been a brilliant appointment by comparison to the, to the uh, well, I was going to say something derogatory, but I won't. Um, <laughs> but he, it's not like but you. He, Oh, I was going to have a lash at the usuals, but um, <laughs> but no, the uh, number one and two positions of the club, um, Chapman and the other yeah. fellow, which I'm not going to name him, but you know who it is, um, they were useless, absolutely useless. And John Olsen is up there and out there, and uh, I think you're 100% right, Fiend. Uh, he's not going to be a chairman in name only and, and, and conduct board meetings. He's representing the football club out there, and I, and I really like the way he does it. Um, I mean, he's uh, articulate. He uh, he's very balanced in the way he uh, approaches things. Yeah, I, I think a great appointment. I do like the guy. Well, you know, the difference between him and and Robbie Chapman is that Olsen's a footy guy. He's been involved in football for years. Uh, obviously, headed up the SNFL for a long time. A few people critical about you know the fact that we're just a, another. We've got an SANFL guy in again, and we've got Adam Kelly in. As well, but I mean, look. The reality is, um, they're both proven people um, from the SNFL. John Olsen's obviously got fantastic contacts uh, in Adelaide and South Australia. Um, you're right; he's very articulate and well spoken. I think he's quite measured. He appears to have a plan or a mandate from uh, the board. Um, yep. And um, I, look, I think overall, whether you like. Olsen or not as an individual, um, I think I think he was the right appointment. And I do like the fact that we've appointed someone who's obviously got some financial acumen uh, in Tim Silvers. Uh, and I think the fact that we went with Silvers is indicative of the fact that he has very much been employed to steer the ship commercially 
And I don't actually think we'll see a lot of Tim talking about day-to-day football matters. I think you summed it up perfectly. Um, he wasn't the uh, number one man at Hawthorne. He was the number two man. No, COO, and so, yeah. And he worked his way up through the, the ranks, right from the yep. bottom upwards. Um, yep. So I don't think he was boot starter, but he did start up, you know, fairly <laughs> low. And uh, so he's what I'm really saying, he is steeped in the culture of a football club and yep. steeped in the culture of a successful football club. Correct. And so I think he will know how to run a successful footy club as a CEO. And yep. I think that's basically what they've said is, well, you run the footy club and you do it to make sure that everybody does their job properly as a CEO and uh, and also particularly in particular the finance areas. And... Uh, We'll take care of the upfront, of the upfront yeah. stuff out there. You just stay in the background, I th- yeah. and I think that's how, how it will be. Yeah, I will make more, one more comment on Johnny Olsen just before we finish up talking about the AGM. John Olsen is probably one of the few people in terms of status that will be able to stifle the influence of Mark Rusciuto. Now, Mark has best intentions for the club. I don't doubt that for a second. Uh, he's uh, done well in business, etc., etc. Uh, but he's made some questionable decisions over the last couple of years, and I don't mind the fact that his overall influence um, will be diluted somewhat. And I think, as director of football, um, overseeing at board level the football department, I don't think that's a bad wash up. To be honest with you, I think, and I think. John Olsen's appointment will facilitate that because John's a strong character and, um, you know, whereas I think Rob Chapman and, and Andrew Fagan to a degree deferred to Mark a little bit because Mark was a an Adelaide Football Club legend. Summed up beautifully, Fee, and I can't add any more to that and I think you summed up very, very well. All right, so let's move on then. We had a couple of uh, changes to the squad after the... Uh, a community series match against Port. We had a uh, a young uh, signing. Um, what's his name? Nick Murray. Is it Nick? Nick yeah, Murray. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I look. I think part of that was from necessity because of our slightly depleted uh, tall defensive stocks. But that's not to take anything away from the kid because I think he's applied himself really well in uh, the opportunities he's been given. Yeah, I, I like him actually. I think you know he's he's done it the hard way too, and um, yeah. he's got he's, he's had to slog his guts out there like everybody else has, not knowing whether he's going to get on on the list or not. Yeah. And uh, he's obviously impressed the club enough to get onto the list. And uh, uh, I, I saw how he played against Port, and I thought he was not out of his depth at all against Port. Uh, got a lovely. Uh, knuckle of sandwich in the back of his head and a few stitches in it. <laughs> hey, welcome to the to the big time, mate. But yeah, he's in my in my starting twenty two anyhow. Um, well, I think he's going to need need to be because <laughs> you know, and we'll get on to, we'll get onto that a bit later. But I, that's what I mean. I think there was a certain degree of necessity about his uh, his signing, um, and uh, you know, a lot of it's to do with tiles uh, being out injured and obviously Cole Hardigan being somewhere else. So um, Geordie Butts and uh, Fish Mackesy and uh, uh, Nick Murray and a few others are going to have uh, a baptism of fire. So, um, But look, you know, I, all, all power to the kid. Um, now, 
On top of that, it hasn't been confirmed by the club, but the reports are that Tyson Stengel is going to be released um, with a, um, a payout from the club. He only signed on for another two years in August uh, 2020, which was a bit of a misfire by the club, given that we would have already been aware of some of the shenanigans. <laughs> so why we gave him a two-year deal, I, I really don't know. Um, uh, but we did, and uh, they've negotiated a payout between uh, the club, the player, the Players Association, the AFL. Um, I'm pretty sure that Harry and um, Megan got involved, um, you know, Everyone they would have got a, they would have got a commission thing. They don't they don't pay. They just get a commission. <laughs> but and is I mean, look, it's disappointing from from the club's point of view. I think it was the right decision. Uh, it frees up a spot on our list so that we can participate in the mid season draft, um, which we may have to do. Um, and I think culturally, given uh, what Matthew Nix and uh, the rest of the, the club are trying to build in terms of culture and ethos, um, I don't really think they had any choice um, in cutting him loose. But I, I, look, I always feel sorry for a kid who's got loads of talent and for whatever reason it has chosen a path that's not conducive to, being, to getting the best out of himself. Um, so whilst I think it's the right decision, we also wish Tyson, I think, the best of luck. Um, that he can turn things around at Woodville West Torrens because at his best, I think he's an AFL-quality player. Oh, he is. And I, I've got no doubt that Olsen, again, I would say uh, precipitated this because... Oh, and um, Nicks, I think. And Nicks. I think I think they wanted an absolutely clean sheet. So yep. there's, there's, no, there's no shit from the past hanging around the club. And 100%. that meant that he had to go. And... Uh, uh, I, you know, and when I, you know, before this came up, I was thinking, well, maybe they what they might do is let him play in the in the SAFL all year, and then and if he behaves himself, bring him back next year. But um, it's obvious, really obvious, that, that what they're saying is we don't want anything from the from the past that's not good to be hanging yep. around the club because yep. you know we want uh, the uh, parents of the kids that get drafted or may get drafted to the Adelaide Crows in future to. To, to know that that all those those people that act like that get kicked mm. out of the club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I think you know I've I've heard some snippets of uh, Matthew Nix. I watched the um, the Amazon Prime. Uh, ep- I think it was episode one of um, of their documentary, uh, and there was a bit of Matthew on there as well. And I've read a couple of articles. He's all about. Uh, culture and he's all about um, buy-in uh, he comes from the famous Sydney no dickheads policy mm. um, he played for a long time under Paul Roos who was a, a sensational at building relationships uh, was probably Paul Roos's biggest uh, attribute um, you know and and Nix is all about it so I can and but the thing is also that Matthew, I think, is a bit of a hard ass, I, I, and I don't mind that at all. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to compromise. So, uh, and I think he understands that he can't compromise. So, I think he would, um, you know, he would have taken the decision seriously. But I don't think, at the end of the day, um, he would have had much choice in the matter. No, I, I think that's right too, and and and. 
when you look at it overall, it is it's definitely the right thing. Um, just coming back, and we're talking about freeze up the space. There'll actually be two spaces for the mid-season draft because Miller being a long-term injury, yeah. Uh, so we can actually take two. So yeah. that'll be very interesting because there may be some decent players around that, um, and t- particularly like Victorians, for example, who didn't play at all last year, mm. who will start in the, probably playing in uh, whatever this new VFL they've got now. Um, yeah. Uh, that really start to show some real form and we'll have two opportunities perhaps to get some. So it, that, well, that could work very much in our favour. Interesting you should say that, Macca, because just a little announcement um, while we're on that particular topic. Um, I've, been in, I've been in heavy negotiations, Macca, heavy negotiations with um, a beloved Crowcast member who we haven't seen for a while. Um, and uh, I've... My people have talked to his people, and uh, you know we've we've ironed things out in terms of contract arrangements and and uh, you know, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. So um, Peter Jay and myself are going to be um, doing a bit of a road to the draft series this year. Um, Peter's got some really good in- insight into um, the South Australian boys, um, mm-hmm. and I've got a few contacts there as well, um, and. The reason I raise it now is we're also going to have a look very hard at those Victorian lads who may have been on the fringes um, of and and may well have been picked in other years uh, in last year's draft who are now running around in the VFL. Um, so we're going to be probably producing that on a three or four weekly basis. Um, so uh, and Peter's already identified a couple of blokes that. Uh, might be under a few people's radar. So look out for that. I think we probably post the first episode um, maybe the end of March, so maybe week after next. Um, but I'll certainly be tweeting about that and uh, hopefully some people will get um, some good insight into some of the kids that we uh, will be on our radar, certainly from Adelaide's point of view, both in South Australia but also uh, uh, in Victoria as well. That sounds very good and very interesting. Yep. Uh, it should be fun. Now, so what else have we got to talk about? Let's briefly touch on the AFLW uh, in honour of Nikki. What I mean. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, they would be terribly disappointed with what they dished up today. Uh, yesterday, wasn't it? Uh, no. Today, Yesterday. Yesterday. Anyway, against against Melbourne. Yeah, yesterday. Sorry. Yeah, they were well. We'll put in the ends of the, in the colloquial. They were a bag of shit. I mean, they played <laughs> shockingly, and um, they started off reasonably well in in a sense. But their main problem and their main weakness was they were trying to play dry with a footy and to start and with a wet ball. And, it's, and I mean, when when you when you're playing in wet conditions, it's very crowded. You've got a lot of players around you that you don't normally have around you because the ball moves much more slowly. Yep. And here where we, somebody would actually earn the ball for us and then they try and handball it to somebody three metres away who's got somebody right up their clacker valve. And I'm thinking, this is just hopeless. And okay, I'll, I'll tell you what that is. That's arrogance because that's a team that is playing the way they want to play rather than how they have to play based on the conditions. Well, it's a very great summary, actually, because that's exactly what happened. And uh, yeah. that, that enabled Melbourne to, get on, Melbourne to get on top 
And once Melbourne got on top, then we just couldn't get back into the game. And uh, they, I mean, and I will have a crack at the umpires. I thought the um, we were we were tackling pretty well early in the, the piece. Umpiring and in the of, AFLW is terrible. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> and there was a lot of there's constantly they get tackled and drop the ball, and it yeah. and was favouring Melbourne early in the piece, and there's no doubt about that. And the, if you look at the number of frees, you'd see that. But um, that isn't the reason why we lost. The, the, as I said, it, you summed up nicely. The, the arrogance of playing our normal game when it's as wet as a shag, and and they were just nobody could barely mark the ball, and um, yeah. uh, it's it just I was so disappointed in the way they played. And then of course uh, Melbourne really got their confidence up, and they got their game going, and they actually That's then what happens. They, they made us look ordinary, and we are a much better team than that. But we uh, we brought we uh, we just mastered our own undoing, in my opinion. Yeah, and look, PJ Crows in the chat says you shut down Phillips, you shut down Adelaide. I don't think we're as one dimensional as that. I think we've got some good players on all lines, um, but I, I honestly think that um, the core of our team has been together for quite some time now. And, um, you know, they've tasted success a couple of times. Uh, they have the GOAT in their team. Um, and, you know, the Chelsea Randall's no slouch either. And I think I think when you come up against a team that's hungry in conditions that aren't necessarily favourable or aren't enjoyable to play in, I think you just get back into the whole... Well, you know, we're just gonna—we're not gonna actually focus on trying to win the game of football. We're just gonna play the way we always play because we're—we're we're good enough to win. And you know, I think it's an aberration, um, but I think hopefully, uh, Matty Clark and Tommy Lynch and the others involved down there with the uh, with the women's team uh, really point out to the girls that um, you can't just rock up. You know, you have to actually think about what you're doing. You have to actually think about the conditions of your opposition. And you actually have to go out there to try and win the game, just not go out there and play a style of footy that you may want to play. Yeah, it was interesting because um, we I think we kicked the first one goal one of the game and that mm. was in probably the first half of the first quarter. Yeah. And when it, we only got another two points for the whole game after yeah. that. Well, how often do you see that though? Like you get a couple and you think, "Oh, this is easy," and then you take your foot off the brake, off the pedal. Yeah, and the guy, know, I, again, I, that's overconfidence. Well, I thought we were on top early, and then we, as I said, we just started falling around the ball like as if yeah. it was a dry ball, and just making error after error after yeah. error. And eventually, as the game just turned on its ear, and once they got they got their. Uh, Tails up in the air. They really, really. Uh, they they could have probably. Should, well, they probably should have won by more. Yeah, probably. Anyway, so that's the girls. They're still uh, uh, sitting fourth, but they've kind of dropped back to the pack a bit. I think they're equal with North and uh, someone else that I can't think of right now. Um, in fifth and sixth place, respectively. So you know they've they've got a, a little bit of work to do to cement their spot um, ahead of the finals. And, yeah, they have um, to win. I think it's, they have to win at least one more thing, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and they, but, you know, it, they need to do better than just make. They need to do better than just make the finals. They're a top four team, and they need to make sure that they make the top four team. So, uh, the top four. So, hopefully, this is a bit of a shoot in the arm for them. They had a bit of a hiccup against Fremantle as well a couple of weeks ago. So, um, 
I think it's in the head. There's plenty of talent there, but I think it's in the head, and hopefully as we get to the pointy end, they might uh, just sharpen up a bit. Now, they need to. Hmm. Let's talk footy now. We've talked administration. We've talked bloody culture. We've talked lists. We've talked uh, AFL women. Let's talk about the AFL men's because, of course, we've got uh, round one of the AFL season coming up quite quickly. Very rapidly. It's only six days away. <laughs> Only six days away. It has really snuck up uh, this year. Uh, but I, for one, I'm gagging for a bit of good footy. So uh, the unfortunate thing is, though, <laughs> that we may not we may not get good footy this week from the Crows. And no disrespect to our young lads, but uh, Geelong first up, mate. Well, yes. I mean, Port showed uh, the gap between us and... Uh, the, the top sides, and I think Port are rightfully the favourite for the flag at this stage because I cannot see a weakness in their side. Having said that, I think that the, our performance uh, will be better than that because of the, in, in the certainly in the long term, because of the missing defenders. Our our defence was just made up of players that played less than ten games, and basically, yeah, and, it's not going to be much different though, Mac. Well, it's not going to be it's not going to be much different because we do have a young backline, and with Talia out, um, it exposes kids. Uh, we're going to have you well, know, two will um, come back, though. Dodo and Kelly will come back. Yeah, but they're not. Neither of those players are going to play on Cameron or Hawkins. So you've got Geordie Butts, uh, who has applied himself well. Uh, I thought I thought he got beaten early, but came back strongly uh, in the Port game. Um, He's done all right. He's done all yeah. right. We've got Fish Mackesy, who missed selection last week, and I'm not sure whether he's actually in our starting 22 for this week. Not, not, um, not, in, not in mine. No, not in mine. I, do um, want to, I want to talk about him and Chase Jones later too. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, and obviously we've brought Murray in, who I think will probably start, to be honest with you. But after that, it's slim pickings. And, you know, they've got the tall timber there. They've... Potentially also got Radigalia, uh, depending on whether they decide to just go absolutely, you know, pine forest on us and just uh, <laughs> load, load up on tools. But Radigalia is very mobile and he could very much play a lead-up role for them. Um, and then obviously they've got Danger who can take a grab up forward as well. Uh, they're missing God, of course, um, but they've got a very powerful forward line. Uh, Geelong, I think, are suspect, suspect in defence, but um, I don't know whether their defence will get enough of a sight to actually be put under enough pressure, to be honest with you. Yeah, you, you are correct. Stewart is very, very good in their defence, um, yep. but then the others aren't quite so good. Um, but I think that the ball will probably be down the other end of the, <laughs> the ground quite a bit. So I'll give you what my starting uh, lineup is, and uh, yep, if go you for like. It. Sure. And, it, well, I'm starting in the back lines. I've got Brown, Butts and Kelly. Yep. Half back line, I've got Smith, Dodo and Hamill. Yep. Smith, uh, across the... Uh, now, I've... So, both hang on, hang on. So, let me... Let because me, you're, you're old school, Mac. So, you like, you like naming lines. Uh, but I'm looking for matchups. So you're basically saying that Dode is going to go with Cameron? Oh, no, no. What I'm saying, these are the players that will be there and then they'll work, the work, work out who's on who afterwards. Well, but you've only named two 
tools, really, and Dode is really only just a tool. They haven't got their bench yet, mate. Well, they're not on the bench because Jeremy Cameron and Hawkins will both start on the ground. So whoever you've got on the bench is going to have to start, mate. Well, that's that's Murray, of course. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, so, all right, so you reckon Murray will take one of the tools? I think he has to. Well, yeah, I... Unless Fisher Mackesy is selected, um, uh, I want to talk yeah. about him separately. You can't, you cannot pick him. You well, I don't think him. so. Anyway, so yeah, all right. So Murray's yeah. your uh, second tool. That's good. Yep, yeah. go on. Yeah. Now Sloan, I want on on the wing, not in the midfield. So I've got yeah. Sloan, Crouch, Shoal across the centre line. Now right. I've gone, I've gone uh, a mixture in the forward line of Murphy, Walker, and McAdam across the half forward line. And, right. and and Froggerty Himmel, I've gone Himmelberg and uh, not Frampton and Rowe in the full in the forward pocket, and the first ruck we O'Brien uh, Key. Well, let's just talk, hang on, hang on. Let's just talk midfield first of all. So you reckon Lockie Shaw gets a run on on the wing? Definitely, um, definitely. Yeah, uh, and Sloney, I agree with you definitely on the wing. Up forward, I'm not sure about Himmelberg because the word is that Himmelberg had a bit of a, an interrupted pre-season. So I'm actually not sure whether he has enough of a fitness base yet to be considered. Now, the club really haven't widely publicised that, but I've heard from a, a couple of sources that um, he's a bit short on fitness. So that might explain why they've been running Billy around. Uh, so... I would certainly, on equal footing, I'd certainly prefer Elliot, but I think we may see Billy Frampton this week. Yeah, well, that you know, that um, that, uh, that same consideration was in my own mind, but I, yeah, I put them what I'd like to see there. If if there's yeah. a reason why he can't be there, well, then that's that's the case. Yeah, PJ no, Crows, he says that Sloan would start in the middle, nothing sure, and I agree, he's probably right. This is my side, PJ, that I would like to see. Um. So, so who you got? Who you got starting in the centre, mate? Well, I've got a. Um, well, actually, the, apart from the Ruckman, I've got uh, Crouch, obviously, because he's in the centre. Yep. Keys and Lead. Keys and Lead. Okay. But Keys always. He's a an interesting type because he's a very defensive type that actually gets the ball. So that's why I like him in there. Um, and I I just don't think Sloan has got his best days uh, left in him. I, I would see. His form has never hasn't reached the the heights of what it was. Um, I would I'd like to see him just play it on the wing and get you know and run around and get a few kicks that way. Um, on on the bench, I've got uh, Sch- uh, Schoenberg, I've got McPherson, obviously. I've yep. got uh, Mar- and Murray or well, Murray could go on the field and you know Kelly come off, and yep. uh, and I've got Lynch and pressing on me Lynch. Wow. Yep. Yep, and pressing for a spot, but probably not in it in my in my books. And it'll be interesting with the chat. They'll probably tell it to say this is not right, but uh, Hately he didn't make it. McHenry, no. Hinge, Seaman, Frampton, and Gallant, who I thought played pretty well in the in the yeah. Yeah. Uh, Snapple game. So uh, that's my lineup, and uh, so you know people may not agree with that, but I don't think well, it'll be too far wrong. There's nothing sure that people will will disagree. A, a couple of points that I make. <laughs> I, I reckon, I reckon, and I'm not sure whether this will eventuate, but I reckon McHenry 
deserves a run ahead of um, Murphy. I think in terms of overall output, I think McHenry has shown more in the off-season than Murphy. And I think, I honestly think, that he plays... McHenry plays a small forward role better than Murphy. Murphy almost plays a small forward role as a tall and puts himself in marking positions instead of uh, putting himself in crumbing and opportunistic positions. And I think McHenry has shown a little bit more ball-getting ability at ground level, and I think he puts himself in better positions. And I think in the game against Port Adelaide, he actually looked as, as... well composed as I've seen him at the level. So I'd, I'd like to see them give McHenry a run over um, uh, Murph. Um, well, secondly, I, 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 certainly, certainly it wouldn't be upset if that were to be the case because, yeah. I mean, a couple of these positions were very, very marginal. And um, Oh, absolutely, 100%. Um, so, sec- secondly, and you're right about McHenry. The first time I saw a footballer run around last, in that last game. Yeah, so, I, a far more complete performance. I mean, you know, he made some blues and all the rest of it, but he didn't look hassled. He didn't. He wasn't focused on the gab. Uh, like he still dished it out, which is fine. But he, he he just looked a little bit more considered about what he was doing. Um, what do you think about this proposal, Mac? I agree with you about Sloan being on a wing. I don't think think we'll see it happen, but I I agree that it should happen. But against I agree with both comments. Uh, against Geelong, do you know what I'd do? I'd actually play Sloan as a run with on Dangerfield all day. Actually, I like that. I do like that, actually. They've done that before, and it's been pretty good success, actually. No, I like that. That's well, good. they've done it in terms of Sloaney being playing in a, in a similar position to Patrick, but I would actually give Sloan a task because we know that when Sloan plays in the, in the, in the guts... Um, that he's prone to getting tagged and he doesn't hasn't well he hasn't traditionally handled it well. I'd like to see the tables turned. I think it would give Sloan some focus, um, and I reckon it would also get under Danger skin. So Dangerfield, I think, is a big threat, um, and I reckon uh, I reckon you chuck Sloney on him and say, Rory, it's you're the captain. It's your responsibility to. Uh, keep their best player quiet, and away you go. That's what I'd be doing. Yep. Now, I want to make a comment that in, when I'm talking about the selection, and I think it'll be the same at the uh, when it is actually done, two number one picks, Chase Jones Yep. and um, well, first round picks. First round picks. Uh, yeah, sorry, the number one, our number one pick, yeah, first round yep. pick, sorry. Um and, you know, Mackesy taken people when he was taken, that was our highest pick ever. Number uh, six. six prior, uh, prior to this year, prior to this year. Yep. And to me, they're mentally shot. It's not, it's not about football ability. They're mentally shot. And um, particularly Chase Jones. If you look at Chase Jones, I analyse his, his stats. And the last four games of his very first year with the club, he averaged 14 disposals with and getting 18 in the last game against Western Bulldogs when he went into the middle, and he looked good. Yep. His second year, uh, he had 15 games, and he only averaged eight disposals a game. And then he's played in the two trials to date, and he has got, I think, something like four and three or something like that. Mm-hmm. He has looked terrible. And I just think he's mentally shot. He was actually standing uh, Bonner 
yeah. Bonner had 27 disposals and, look, yeah. and looked like a gun. Yeah. Um, Chase Jones is supposed to be number one uh, pick, and he just looked like a hat chasing his bum. And um, I just think, he, uh, and the same with Mackesy, they put him in very early, and he's light body. He was, he, well, he's made to look like he couldn't virtually play. They just shoved him out the way. And they're, I reckon their confidence is so shot that they need a sports site to work with them to build them up again mentally. Well, Mac, I can understand that with regards to Chase because I think I don't think we've handled his development very well at all um, under Don Pike. Um, I think I don't. Uh, Jordan Gallucci is another one who I think was hung out to dry by the club um, and lost a bit of uh, passion as a result. Um, I definitely think that Chase is suffering from a lack of confidence. I worry that Chase is a bit of a straight-line player and that um, Hamish might have just... I mean, I know Chase was uh, indicated to go in the top 15, but I just wonder... I mean, what do we take him at? Nine, ten? Yeah, about nine or ten. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether he was a top ten pick. Obviously, there were some other blokes running around there who've, who've really come on... Uh, I think we had the opportunity to get Butters, didn't we? Um, we could have got uh, both Butters uh, and Dersmer. Yeah. And we've got Chase and McHenry. And, and look, that's fine. Um, but I, I've tried to keep the faith with Chase, but what I saw against Port Adelaide last week was a player who was a bit lost. Um, he didn't handle tagging very well. Like he tried to tag Travis Boak, didn't do very well. Boak had just run off him all day. Um, and like you said, when he was on Bonner, uh, Bonner slaughtered him. Um, Chase, to me, looks like a straight-line player, Macca, and I don't think he's got enough versatility to uh, succeed at AFL level. I, I, I hate I hate to say that about a young kid who's trying his well, guts out, and I would love to be proven wrong, but that's my observation as it stands. And whether that's an indication of Chase's ability or the way he's been developed... Uh, I would be blaming the club uh, for putting him in this position. Yeah, and they need to do something for him and get his again. And, and that's why I'm talking about uh, get a, a sports site to, uh, like Jenny Williams, for example, to help him believe in it, believe in himself. Because yep. you, if you, you um, I think he's a better player than, than what you were giving him credit there. Because if we go back to the Possibly. game against the Bulldogs. He, that was his first year in AFL footy, and they put him yeah. in the middle, and we were getting slaughtered in that game, and he actually turned the game around from yeah. the middle, and then he had a fantastic last quarter, and I thought, yeah. this boy is going to be a real gun, and and we've never seen it since, just haven't seen it since, and it's just getting worse and worse, and the poor, I, the poor bugger just doesn't believe in himself anymore. Yeah. And he needs, well, look- and you know, like, sorry, but uh, PJ Crow's, mentioned that, you know, our development has been laughable. And that that's true. I can't argue with that. And no. this is what and this is what we've got left. We've got shattered players and they just need to be built up. Well, you talk about uh, confidence. I think Darcy Fogarty suffers a bit from that. Uh, another Correct. first round pick. Um, always been given a, uh, a secondary role in our forward line. I don't think he's been given a lot of direction. We, we haven't had a forward coach worth their salt for 100 years and uh, I don't think 
Darcy's ever been given much direction in terms of what the club or what the team expects from him playing that role. Him and Tex obviously play very similar roles. The, the criticism that I've got of the club with regards to Darcy is that whether by design or by lack of coaching, often Darcy and Tex seem to occupy the same space on the ground. And that should never happen, Macca. Those two players should never be in the same vicinity because they are just nullifying each other. I would love to see Tex played up the ground. I, I'm totally opposed to your um, selection of Tom Lynch for this for two reasons. First of all, Tom's shown nothing so far. But second of all, I actually want Tex to play that role. I want Tex to get up the ground. He's a, a great lead-up. He has a presence. He is no good in contested situations. We, we get so much rebound against us when Tex is in the marking competition because it just doesn't nullify a contest. But leading up the ground, up through half high half-forward and up through the wing and even down half-back, um, Tex has still got a lot of value to us in his current form and fitness levels. And what that would do would allow Darcy to play that strong leading forward position coming out of the square or, you know, leading out of the 30-yard mark. That's what I want to see happen. And I think until that happens, Darcy's going to continue to look lost. Well, there's no doubt he does look lost. And, and, and look, what you're saying is I'm not, I'm not actually a Lynch fan at the moment, uh, you know, in the sense that, um, he, well, he, you know, he does the same thing uh, time and time again. And, yeah. um, and, but that, the way the game's played, you don't have really have that Link player now, like, not, not, not the way that he plays it. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not against not having Lynch there, but I'm just saying uh, I'd put him there um, probably just probably through experience, but I wouldn't be upset that if one of the other boys, that, uh, say, McHenry took his spot or Hately took his spot, um, and they did with Tex Walker, as you said. I would not be upset well, about it. What, what about the number one draft pick? Okay. I I just like to see him just play a few SAFL games. I just think I would. I just I have this horrible memory of what we did to Mackesy, and what I'd like to do is is uh, see our uh, number one pick. There's our number two actually was, but our number no, one pick. I, I um, number one because the other one was a bloody. Um, yeah, that was so to make sure we yeah burn up their uh, draft picks. Um, yep. I'd like to see him play maybe four or five games at SAFL level. And, why? Uh, T- tell me why, Mac. Tell me why. Yep. To bring a confident player into the game. But, he, but he played SAFL pretty much all last year. He's proven he's to play against men. He is not going to learn one single thing, not one single thing, playing in the twos. I didn't, I didn't say he would. I just want him to come... Uh, he should be able to dominate at the SAFL level, and I'd like to bring him in while he's doing that. Yeah, no, I disagree 100%. Actually disagree. Oh. I would have Riley Tilthorpe in the side. Uh, in your selected side, I would have him in place of Tom Lynch, um, and I would have him uh, got, uh, swapping through with um, Frampton up forward. Uh, maybe a, a, a tiny run uh, in the guts as a as a chop out, but would probably leave that to Frampton or Himmelberg, whoever. 
Um, but I, I want Riley Tilthorpe in the, in the side. I think what he showed, uh, the glimpses that he showed in the preseason, um, give me enough confidence that he can compete at the level. And I'll tell you what, the other thing, Mac, uh, Geelong's Achilles here were their defence. Uh, they've lost Henderson and Harry Taylor. Uh, so they've got a new configuration um, down back. And I would like to put some, if we can, I would like to put some selection pressure on them as well. And having Tilthorpe, Frampton and um, uh, O'Brien in the, in the team, I think, uh, just puts a little bit of selection pressure on them. It, it's proactive on our behalf. And uh, when it comes to Riley, I think you, he's not Fisher Mackesy. He is not Fisher Mackesy. Fisher Mackesy didn't play against men before he was drafted. Riley has um, has played for twelve months against men and done well. I think I think he needs to be in. I see PJ Crows has said that he would uh, debut Tilthorpe and uh, and also Berry, but said they won't. And I don't think they will think. Um, but anyhow, I look if they do. Um, I think Barry uh, might get a spot on the bench. I, I think Barry might get a spot on the bench. Well, you know, I thought Barry for the little bit, little bit of time he got in on in the uh, A grade game. I, I yep. just thought he looked all right. He's the, the boy's not. He's not. He's not out of place. He's a tough nut. Oh, definitely. I, I don't. I don't have any doubt about him um, being able to compete at the level. Um, but uh, I. Like midfield is very much a, a different role. Um, I, I sincerely hope they play Riley Thilthorpe. I really do. Uh, I think he deserves it, and I think it would cause. Uh, imagine all all Riley Thilthorpe has to do if he debuts against Geelong is take one strong grab. That's all he has to do for the whole game. If he takes one strong strong grab and kicks a sausage. And everyone gets around him. I think that's exactly what the team needs from a young kid. And uh, I, I hope that Matthew Nix shows a bit of faith and uh, selects him. I really do. Well, I know we've got nothing to lose, Fiend, because we're not, when you look at uh, well, our right. team, uh, you look at our team versus the other other teams in the competition. Uh, we, we're just a mob of kids, really. I mean, there's about half and half. You know, you've got half that are probably uh, established league players and half of them are still trying to establish themselves as league players. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be another one of those seasons for us and uh, we may win a few more games and when the days when everything clicks and we do everything right, uh, but there's also going to be some terrible days as well and we're prepared for that. Um, so I know what you're saying and... and you, you could be right and I could be wrong. It's just, just one of those things. I don't know. I, mm. I'm probably erring on the side of caution and that's all. Yeah. Well, look, and I think in days gone past you might have been right, but we're in a rebuild, Mac, and we've got to show faith in these young kids. And I think Riley is our number one pick. He's the future of the club up forward. Um, we have to show faith. We have to show faith. Get him in. But running around in the twos... 
actually does nothing for him, not one thing. He's done it all before. He's done it already. Um, now, let's just talk quickly about Fisher Mackesee because uh, you touched on him earlier. Um, I don't think Fish is lacking in confidence. I think Fish has been found out a little bit at the level because uh, he's playing against far bigger bodies. And I think, I don't know the kid at all. Uh, by all reports, he's an excellent young lad. Um, I think he might be actually one of these blokes that gets very down on himself, not through lack of confidence, but just through his own expectation. And I think... Um, I, I, I feel like uh, someone at the club needs to take him under their wing, and I'm sure they are, uh, but someone needs to really work on Fisher being able to get his head up for the next contest. Well... Whichever way it is, Fiend, whether it's that he lacks confidence or he's so hard on himself that it, he gets into the spiral of going down, uh, his form has been poor. And that's that. Oh, no doubt so, about that. So, no so it's that. been poor to the point that he should be in the, in our, when we've got uh, key defenders out and he can't get in there. I mean, in that, and he was, he was uh, in the year that he was taken. He was uh, the the star defender, uh, mm. in, and really he should have just gone on with it. And I know that the lighter body doesn't help, but by the same token, um, <coughs> he just hasn't shown very much at all. Well, that, one brilliant, that, one brilliant, that one brilliant effort for a mark was was yeah. when running the wrong way. That was the one time he yeah. showed us that, well, he's, that-, going, that he, he's got something. And well, and that's all about courage, isn't it? So that's not about anything else. That's and I don't think anyone doubts that Fisher's trying and is bought in. Um, yeah, put it this way: you've got um, the lad that Western Bulldogs took, Ugo Hagen. He's not playing round one this year. Like he was touted as well, he was the number one draft pick. He's a defender. He's not playing. I I think it shows how wrong we were and I know that we needed a defender but I, I feel like defenders should not be taken in the first round simply because they un, unless you're able to put them on ice for two years I mean it's taken Elliot Himmelberg three years to produce something um, you know uh, we never got much out of Harry Deer like these tall kids and even Ugo Hagen who is you know touted as the next big thing is not getting a run first up in a bulldog side that could fit him in um and i think it just shows that these kids just these big lads um what happens is that they dominate in under 18s level because of their size because their size there's an equivalency but there's such a step up for, for a lad like fisher mackesee to come up against um a tom hawkins or a jeremy cameron uh, and I think it's just asking too much. It, well, it is really. And it, well, it has been. It has been. Mm-hmm. And but uh, you know, I'm, I'm a great believer in psychology. That you know, the people that really believe in themselves um, do better than the ones that doubt you've themselves. You've got to be physical. Right? You've got to be physically capable, though, Mac. 
I, yeah, I understand that. But I, I, as I said, I'd just like to see like a Jenny Williams just work with those two boys in particular, just to get them to have self belief. The other yep. thing I'm worried about Fisher Mackesee, of course, is that uh, it was a pick six, and he could easily piss off at the end of the year. Well, that's that's true. Um, a young Worrell signed back on, which was good news. Um, I like him. I think he's got a future. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Lucky Gallant too, I think, has got a future. Um, yeah, he's got a future. Uh, I don't look. I think Mack will stay on. Um, I, I, there's, you know, there were whispers about Worrell wanting to go home all year, and he's just signed back on. Uh, Worrell and Mackesy are good mates, um, so I, I expect Fisher to sign on, um, and hopefully, the, uh, despite the noise from outside the club, hopefully the club internally has tempered his expectations, tempered their own expectations taken the fact that he was pick six off the table because it doesn't mean jack shit once you're on a list. Correct. Um, and just said to the kid, right, we want you to develop in this way. We want you to develop physically. Um, you know, make him your linchpin of your defence in the SNFL team for the first third of the season, um, barring injuries in the ones, of course, and uh, let just let him grow into the role. No, I can't argue with that at all, Fiend. Um, now I want to throw another player at you, Jackson Hately. Um, yep. Now, he I always felt that when he was playing with GWS, he used to basically play on a wing. Um, for some reason, wing we decided... We, sort of. Yeah, wing halfback. We decided we want to make a inside mid out of him, uh, and he hasn't really performed in that role. And that was Nix's idea, was to turn him into... Really? really? No, no, no. I don't know whether we have tried to turn him into, into an inside mid. mid well, no, I, I, heard Nick say, I heard Nick say that, that he'd like to see him play that inside mid role that Brad, Brad Crouch used to play. Yeah. And, well, I, I don't I think, think Jackson's that kind of player, to be honest. He's not. He's not. And uh, as a result of that, uh, his form hasn't been that good, and uh, I don't think he'll be there first up. No, I don't think he'll be there first up either. Um, I'd look. To a degree, I mean, I think Matthew um, Nix concentrated very heavily on contested ball, particularly in that game against Port, the second game against Port, because we got towed up at the contest so heavily in the um, practice match. Um, so I think there was a bit of sea ball get me- ball mentality from a lot of our players. Um, and uh, I, I, the, the worry that I've got, is that we might end up with a situation like we had with Brenton Sanderson where we had, you know, five blokes all going for the agate and just basically no one to give it to on the outside and us turning it over. And I'll never forget that game that Buckley exposed us um, when we played Collingwood where we smashed him and contested ball and got killed on the outside because they just sweated off. I I worry about our, our mix right now. I still don't think we have enough outside class. Um, I hundred percent agree. Uh, like Miller would know, have been very handy, but oh, you know, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, um, Lockie Shaw looks good on the outside, but he's still pretty light and young. Um, Benny Keys is a is a go get him. He will do a bit of work on the outside, but he gets his own ball. Uh, Rory Laird uh, tends to get his own ball. Matty Crouch, that's his best role. Although we've seen Matty kind of um, sag off the back a little bit in the game so far. So 
whether he's being used as that outlet player, I'm not sure, but I don't like him in that role. But we really don't have a lot of outside class. Um, Brody Smith will run off halfback a bit, um, but teams have learnt that you've got to keep Brody Smith accountable defensively. So, you know, whether he can break that shackle. Uh, Rory Sloan, again, uh, can be nullified by a tag. So that's the area, I think, of concern. And when you look at the, the young kids that we've got coming through, um, you know, Chase Jones is a seaball, get-ball type. Luke Pedler is very much a seaball, get-ball type, a general type. Uh, Sam Berry is the same. Um, we need a couple of lads to come through with a bit of silk on the outside because at the moment we don't have a lot of it. No, and that's right. And, Cook, and Cooks are probably the only one that's going to be that type of player Event, in the future. Eventually, the yeah. Yeah, Harry Schomburg not- to a bit, uh, to a degree. I, Harry Schomburg, even though he will get his own ball, uh, I think uh, as he develops, uh, we'll see a lot of creative ball use from Harry. I think he's very clever and I think he's got time in close. So I think you'll see Harry be able to be, uh, to be able to create a lot of forward plays uh, just through his use of the ball. Um, but he hasn't got the pace to be that silky outside player. Um, so, yeah, I, you're right. Braden Cook, obviously one. I can't see. Uh, Miller, obviously, sidelined again. I can't see too many others at the moment. No, and you're spot on, sadly. That's the one area of our uh, squad at the moment that really still needs a, a big lift. And, you know, um, I don't know whether there's going to be any of those available around the uh, middle of the year or not, but... Um, yeah, that's what they really need. They need. They probably need whether it be the midfield or whether it be on the wings or uh, on the halfback flank or or Hamill's got speed, of course. Um, Hamill's got, got speed, speed, but his his ball use is is a bit average. Um, and you would oh, think, I think he's a good kick. Will Hamill? Uh, yeah. No, he, well, he has been burning it a bit. Um, certainly not in the Lockie Shoal class. Lockie Shoal, I think, could develop into someone like that. Probably a, a better version of Rory Atkins for us, certainly uh, tougher than Rory. Um, but, you know, there's there's not that out-and-out class on the outside. Um, and it's not to say that we... Uh, look at You look at the way Geelong sets up. Uh, Mitch Duncan is that kind of player, um, in my opinion. It's not that it, Mitch can't get his own ball, but he's so damaging uh, as the outlet player. Um, and he gets under team's guard as a result uh, because he isn't their first go-to option but when he's given the ball he generally uses it uh, well actually well spotted because actually i had him in my dream team last year and uh, <laughs> i was watching very closely i watched all my players with dream team closely and as you say he he doesn't go near the pack he just doesn't yeah. go near the pack he's sitting there back about five six meters so they've got an yeah. You know, if they get the ball, they fire a handball out to him, and then off he yeah. goes. Um, but you, and you watch Duncan. You watch Duncan next week, Max. Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, when he's doing that, he's always on the move, and not just in motion, but at pace. He's always yeah. at pace on the receipt. So, and that's where he's so damaging because he's got a good leg. Um, and Chris Scott has obviously just told him, "We don't want you getting the ball first up." We want you to be the outlet player, and he plays it to perfection. Yeah, and that, and we do lack that type of player. We really exactly. do. That. Yeah. Chase Jones was was meant to be that player. 
Well, I don't know, because Chase was a bit of a seaball get-ball type in his juniors, so I, I think maybe there just wasn't the quality um, available in this particular draft. I think Jordan Gallucci was probably earmarked as a bit of an outside runner. Um, he was. Because, uh, and didn't obviously come on. Uh, we probably missed a couple of blokes um, in previous drafts. There's a couple of blokes in the uh, 21 draft that... Uh, like. If you're talking about outside run, I think Jason Horn, <laughs> he would be the silk that we'd be looking for on the outside. But, uh, uh, you know, time will tell on that one. So I, th- I think it's more about personnel and availability more than anything else. But it's just the way we've, uh, where we've found ourselves. And Wayne Miller is a massive loss for that very reason. Um, although, you know, even Wayne is kind of unproven um, to some degree. But it's certainly in terms of silk, um, the, he, he was that player. Well, what are your expectations for the year, Fee? What, what would you think was acceptable given the situation that we're in, given the uh, number of bl- uh, uh, players will be bloody? I'm sure that Barry will get games during the year. Yeah. Um, I would have thought that uh, Pedler will get games during the year. And obviously, uh, Tilthot will get games of the year. Row, there's a, so, you know, four of our draftees this year, We'll play, we'll play games, and we've also got other players that have played probably less than 10 or definitely less than 20. Yep. And so what would be your expectations? Well, uh, look, Matthew Nix is going to try and implement a game style, and uh, he's very clear on that. Um, you know, it was noticeable that once the team was able to train together in the back half of last season that we did see a bit of that, uh, whereas prior to that, when they weren't allowed to train together, it was just a big mess. Um, but in doing so, I don't think the squad is necessarily developed to be able to um, execute it uh, consistently. Um, so it comes back then down to individual efforts. And I think there's two big areas of vulnerability. One is our defence. Uh, as we've mm-hmm. spoken about, it's very young. Uh, we've got Tommy Duday and Daniel Talia and then it, and Lukey Brown, uh, you know, there, and then it kind of falls away a little bit. But I think our biggest vulnerability this year is going to be injuries because there's a massive gap between our senior players and our junior players age-wise. Uh, the failures that we've had in the last three or four drafters mean, means that if you look at the graph of ages in our squad, there's a massive dip in that 24 to 26 age group. Um, and they would usually be your, you know, next best half a dozen after your best 22. And we don't have those to call on. So I think if we get a couple of injuries, uh, we're going to be forced to... Uh, play kids, um, and it's going to be very vulnerable. We're going to be very vulnerable as, as a result. I think there's going to be a few games that we're going to be kicked off the park. To be honest with you, um, because I don't think our senior midfielders are good enough to uh, um, break even with the best midfields in the competition against your Richmonds and your Geelongs and your Port Adelaides and your Brisbane. I don't think a combination of Matt Crouch, uh, Rory Laird, Benny Keys, a bit of Rory Sloan and one or two others running through there is going to be sufficient to be able to break even. And what that's going to do is expose our defence and, and I think our defence is thin. 
Um, I understand why we got rid of Kyle Hardigan. The timing was pretty unfortunate, uh, particularly with Fisher not coming on as they probably hoped. Yeah. So long, long-winded answer. The short answer is: I think we'll probably. I think the club will expect to win half a dozen games. I think we'll win between three and five. Yeah, I, I'm typed in the chat. I was hoping for six, but you know, it's an. I've got asked who <laughs> that be against. Well, I don't know, but then. Uh, Last year, you know, and we we got a, a bit of a run a roll going, and we won some reasonable games. I mean, yeah. Hawthorne, North Melbourne, um, it could be a Sydney. Um, well, we played, we, yeah, we played well against a couple of good teams last year so, at the back end. Yeah, so um, I'm hoping for six, but you're probably right. It it's probably might be as low as somewhere between three and five. Even um, it, it just depends because your point is so valid that if any of the senior players get replaced, they're going to be replaced by somebody that's uh, uh, well down the line. Although we haven't got... There are some experienced players like Seisman, for example, that we haven't talked about. Hinge, which yeah. we got from Brisbane, who's got some experience. So Haightley, who's not in there, who's got some experience. So it just probably depends who and what position they play if, yeah. if they got in. Um, if it was one of the junior boys, well, it probably doesn't mean much. We just pop somebody else in there. But if it's... Uh, um, well, a Crouch, a Walker, a Sloan, you know, yeah. it just in the back diminishes our, exper- our on-field experience and our on-field leadership, you know. Uh, it's not about quality for quality so much, although there's an element of that. But, <clears throat> pardon me, you know, experience-wise, it's, you take out a Sloan and put in a Luke Pedler, for example, and you've, you've lost 250 games worth of experience. Um, that's that's exactly right, and it's going to be a massive, massive uh, effect on the game. So, yeah. it, it, we're, in summary, I don't think any of us are expecting a big season. Uh, what we would like to see is that uh, that we can actually watch the game and see that there is a game plan, that there is actually a game plan, because at times, and only in the last bit of last year did we see a game plan, and I'd like to be able to see a game plan, whether we win or lose, that you can see that if they keep whacking away at it and add to our squad, that they will eventually become uh, a good game plan. And that's, yeah. and then on top of that, to see individual improvement in the youngsters out there. And yeah. I, I think that's where we'll get our enjoyment out of that. Um, 100%. Oh, you know, Lockie Scholl, for example, uh, this, this cast... We were calling for him to be in there a long time before he got there, yep. and we were we were just probably so right when he got there because yep. the boy the boy does have the necessaries to do it, yep. and uh, and, that, and I think that that was a real kick for us last year that Lockie, how Lockie Shoal came on, and I would hope that there are others that come on this year that will give us that same bit of enjoyment theme. Mm. Yeah, no, I don't disagree, and I think it's a good time to just try and. You know, I mean, we've been pretty full on at the club over the last couple of years, um, Mac. And, you know, rightly so, we've been proven to be correct, along with a lot of other people calling for the same thing, because the club's turned over their whole bloody off-field list, basically. Um, But I think it's time as a supporter base to really get behind the club now. Uh, We have the change that we demanded. Um, We have the rebuild and the bottoming out that we needed. And I think you know, I put a post on Big Footy during the week just playing devil's advocate 
suggesting that there was a, a slight possibility that the fans were a little bit complicit in the club always wanting to hug the benchmark and stay competitive and all the rest of it because the perception was that, um, you know, uh, we wouldn't tolerate uh, failure and uh, seats would drop off so it would hurt us commercially. I think now is the time for people to make sure that if they are an Adelaide Crows supporter, that they temper their expectations and they get behind the team and turn up whether we're getting thumped by 20 goals or whether we're, you know, winning. I think it's really important that the supporter base show the club that they can afford commercially to go through a similar strategy to what West Coast employed successfully for years and have these lean years um, and we're not going to drop off and they're not going to lose money as a result. Well, I agree with you exactly. I couldn't have said it any better than you just said it, Fiend, and... Uh... That applies to every fan out there. Get behind the boys and uh, go to the games. And yeah, we we'll be down the uh, in the lower regions of the of the uh, ladder. But that's not the point. It's still our footy club, and it's the footy club that we want to eventually succeed. And you'll be watching the some of the players there that will be part of it that will eventually get us to what where we want to be. Macca, I reckon that's just about brought us to the end, mate. What do you think? I've got one last little topic, and then I'm, oh, uh, I'll on, get, get off it very quickly, but I <laughs> want to raise it. that uh, okay. Every part of the club has been looked at. We've, you look over through the board, our board, our chairman, uh, deputy chair, uh, members of the board, there's been change, and I think for the better. Correct. And then we've... Then we've gone through our coaching uh, structure and there's been changes all for the better. Correct. And we go we go through all the various parts of the uh, club and it's all been, and now, you know, we've got, now we've got the uh, same with the CEO, all for the better. Yep. But there's one part that has not been changed. List management. And, yes, and it's been, I think, one of our Achilles heels. Well, um you know, I don't, don't want to spend too much time on that this week because we're coming up to the 90-minute right. mark. Um, All right, but we'll I don't, I, well, look, I don't disagree with you, Mac. Um, I don't disagree with you. Um, I think we've made some some interesting calls uh, contractually, um, you know, things like Josh Jenkins, five years, et cetera, et cetera. We could go on. Um, Beautiful. You know, Tyson Stengel, a couple of years, halfway through last year when we already knew there was a problem. A bit silly. Um, uh, our drafting strategy, I think Hamish has ridden on the back of uh, his reputation a bit over the last two to three years, or three to four years probably. Um, uh, you know, he appears to have had a good run this year, but I actually think that our drafting strategy was very much a team effort this year, whereas I think in the past... And I have nothing to back this up, you know. But it struck me at times that Hamish was just kind of outsmarted himself a little bit with some of his picks Well, uh, I just at, the, at the top end. I just wonder whether it it's not Hamish. Hamish puts forward a list of players that he likes and he thinks that we should draft, and it goes to a committee, and there's about five or six people on it, Rude's on it. and uh, Oh, yeah, and the, yeah, 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 100%. And it might be the ogre we get so, uh, you know, he, he doesn't get to say. Uh, I don't know. And that's, uh, but yeah. 
all I'm saying is our list manager got the position really because he was Roo's manager rather than he had great experience in being a list manager. Well, I mean, he was a player manager. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I look, I, I think Justin Reid would be feeling a little bit of pressure um, uh, as one of the, uh, as one of the, I guess, old stages now at the club in the footy department, at least most of the, uh, most of the others have gone. Um, and I think even, even Hamish would be relieved. I think that we were able to get the picks that we got the, or the players that we got, the picks we had this year, because it's been shown, I think that we've picked wisely um, but he needed to because we've missed in the first round. Well, not that we've missed, but we've certainly our first round picks over the last three or four years have not kicked on, and uh, no, it's left a gaping hole as we've discussed. So it's not a bad point, Mac. Um, but uh, it's going to have to be a point for another time, unfortunately, because uh, we're just about out of time. Look, thanks Thank everyone. <laughs> thanks everyone for. Um, joining us on the cast tonight. Uh, really appreciate your company. Uh, thanks to uh, everyone who supports us on Patreon. Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. There is a bit of a problem with the website at the moment, so disregard the website just for now, and that's contributing to the uh, podcast feed. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, I am working on that, but for now the podcast audio feed is not available uh, so you'll need to get around us on youtube or twitch hopefully nikki will be back with us next week uh hopefully you're feeling better nick if you're listening mac thanks very much for joining me hope everything's well at your end and uh we'll see you next week yep you sure will good night all